Another big-time quarterback recruit has left the state of California to play his college football outside of the Pac-12. What that means for the conference, plus some updates on other big-time recruits that USC is going after. And Washington has been doing quite well on the recruiting show lately. All that coming up today with the Director of Recruiting for Sports Illustrated. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up-to-date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. We just hit 500 subscribers on the YouTube channel, hundreds more on podcasting platforms. So thank all of you for making this show what it is, and I hope to take it even higher. And a guy who helps me do that is our recruiting guru here. Here at the Locked On Pac-12 Net or at the Locked On Network, and here at the Locked On Pac-12 Podcast, that's John Garcia Jr., the director of recruiting for SI. Unfortunately, we missed him last week. I'm sure you all missed him. I know I did, but things are back to normal now because John is here. Good to have you back. Good to be back, Spencer. And it seems like uh, every school in the Pac-12 has some new commits or, or targets coming in on a decision. So uh, good timing as always. Yeah, there there have been a lot, and we're going to cover a good number of them here on the show today and in uh, the coming weeks. But I want to start with uh, a big picture question here regarding our, our beloved Conference of Champions, and that's that another big-time quarterback recruit from the state of California is bolting, this time for the ACC as Jaden Rashada had uh, Oregon and Cal in his top seven, never looked like he was uh, seriously considering any other Pac-12 school, and he now goes the way of DJ Uyunglele going to the ACC, also reminiscent of Bryce Young, who went to uh, Alabama. I don't remember if C.J. Stroud is from California. Yep. Yeah, he is. he is. So that that's not a great look overall for the conference. You've got these big time signal callers who are saying, I want to go out. So what was your reaction to, to Rashada deciding to, to go to the other side of the country, join Mario Cristobal down at Miami? Do you think it was about that connection? And would he have maybe, you know, uh, considered Oregon more heavily had Cristobal stayed with the Ducks? Or do you think this was just another case of a top state of California quarterback wants to play college football outside of the Pac-12. I, I do think there was a business element of this thing from Rashad's perspective, going to a program like Miami that everyone kind of feels like is on the up and up in the ACC, which is a, a conference that's much like the Pac-12 in transition. There's not, you know, the Clemson is still there, but beyond that, it feels relatively wide open. And the staff that has been put together at Miami uh, gave Rashada a lot of confidence. Certainly the relationship with Cristobal at the top carried over from Oregon. I think that's the school or the person as a head coach who's recruited him as long as just about anybody uh, that, that he was uh, considering here down the stretch. Uh, but I also think it was the the coaches that Cristobal hired. Uh, Frank Ponce, the, the uh, quarterback's coach, is one that Jaden said – in one hour on the whiteboard with him, he learned as much as he'd learned over a month with other coaches. So he was certainly intrigued by Ponce's vision for what that offense and, and that position will do. And then the offensive coordinators, the reigning Broyles award winner in Josh Gaddis. Uh, he said he learned a lot from him as well and, and liked how he was courting uh, the California native. Uh, so I think that trio of coaches 
helped Miami propel uh, over Texas A&M and Florida there uh, at the 11th hour uh, when he pushed back his verbal commitment from the 18th to the 26th. But he talked to Jaden, and, man, he is relieved. Uh, he was stressed. He lost weight. Uh, he's already a slim kid, and he lost weight beyond that. Uh, so this was really um, weighing heavily on him, uh, and, and pushing it back made sense because you could – in Vegas when we were out there, Spencer, you could you could feel – how overwhelmed he was 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 getting towards yep. so pushing it back taking one more visit uh, was certainly something that helped helped him be a little bit more calculated and, and he said the feeling at Miami was different compared to others and it also reminded him of California uh, you know his, his home you know it was it was the most similar between all these other college campuses so it was a lot of little things that 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 lined up for Miami but really it was it was crystal ball's long standing relationship and and the group of coaches that he hired down to the U, uh, not to mention the the upward trajectory of that program relative to their conference. So a little bit of everything in, in this decision. There's a lot of talent in the state of California. Even though there are 12 Pac-12 schools, you can't expect them to keep every kid out of uh, out of the state that's supremely talented. You know, within the the, the conference of champions here. As, as Bill Walton would, uh, would would refer to it as. So that's what we will do as well, because whatever Bill says goes in, in my book anyway. <laughs> but it seems like it's been excessive in the last couple of years where you have these big-time recruits just not, not only not choosing a West Coast school, but hardly even considering that. I mean, Cal and Oregon got the boot when Rashada trimmed it down to his final five and other schools that were you know, certainly uh, interested in a big-time quarterback recruit like that, maybe a, a USC, a UCLA, and I'm, I'm sure I haven't looked at the list recently, but I'm sure you got an offer from a bevy of Pac-12 schools. Really, we're never, we're never that close to him, it, it seems, or close to landing him, I should say. Is that a solvable problem for the Pac-12? Well, Lincoln Riley is going to be a heck of a start uh, in that direction, you know, and, and I think with this class of 23, you know, he had Malachi Nelson committed at Oklahoma, takes the job at USC and and now you're right in Malachi's backyard uh, in Southern California. So naturally he followed Lincoln and is committed to the Trojans. Uh, had a really great day uh, out at the elite 11, not uh, to kick it off uh, on he's Tuesday, good. by the way. Yeah, he's very good. So um, yeah, it's going to change, right? Lincoln Riley, I think uh, pushes it towards that direction. Uh, I think uh, some of the other revamped coaching staffs in the PAC 12 are, are going to try uh, to keep more Californians home, you know, UCLA is going to trot out DTR for the 30th year in a row. Uh, but then they brought in Justin Martin last year from Inglewood. Uh, so, so we're seeing a little bit of that trend uh, changing to, to a smaller degree, uh, while other programs just kind of do their own thing. Oregon's going to recruit nationally at the position. Stanford's always going to recruit nationally at the position. They're very much in it for Dylan Lonergan out of Georgia, who's committing on July 12th between um, Bama uh, Stanford and South Carolina. So other schools are still going to kind of do their own thing. Um, but you expect the USC's UCLA's um, uh, of the world to always pull uh, talent and keep them home. Uh, I believe a lot of the PAC 12 footprint will look to do the same as well. So I do think it could start to change mainly because of Riley. Uh, but naturally when, when you start to p potentially project dominance, usually creates more competition within your own conference. So you could see other uh, Californians looking to stay uh, in that footprint as the profile of the conference theoretically rises between uh, the consistency of Utah, what we think USC could be relatively soon, um, and, and the optimism up at Oregon. I think those three programs really have the ball 
in their court for the conference. And, and it's important for all of them to kind of trickle up simultaneously. And that will bring more primetime games, more college football playoff appearances, and inevitably more elite quarterbacks looking to stay uh, in their native footprint. You mentioned UCLA and DTR, and I, I, I literally don't know if there's ever been a time in my life where a team has had the same starting quarterback for five years in a row. It probably hasn't happened because it hasn't been allowed to happen. Those global pandemic things only come around about once in a century, so we're probably not going to see that again in our lifetimes. But I, I was just thinking about how if they have a really good, successful year, I feel like that would help you or help UCLA on the recruiting trail, and that's not where Chip has you know, historically wanted to put a lot of his efforts. It's not something that he loves to do. That's why he went to the NFL. But I have to imagine it'll help you make a pitch to quarterbacks when you can see the development that the DTR has had over the years. I mean, when he got to UCLA, he'd barely played any quarterback. I mean, he was uh, primarily a receiver in high school and then made the transition late. And when he took his first few snaps in a, in a Bruins uniform in 2018, you looked at it and went, yeah, there's... I, I see the, the, the talent, I see the potential, but I also see the work that needs to be done. And if he comes out and has a second team all Pac-12 caliber season, which I think he, he certainly could, I think that would help them. Uh, I think that would help them a great deal in that sense. But also Chip has to be willing at some point to go out and really grind on the recruiting show the way everybody else is, is going to because – if you're if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, and I think that, that that applies to UCLA recruiting. It's not as if the potential isn't there. I mean, you're in Los Angeles, sure, you're second fiddle to USC, but you're still in Los Angeles, and there there's plenty of talent there. Another California guy who's looking at some Pac-12 schools is five-star edge Mateo Uyunglele. John and I will talk about him after I talk to you about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure pointless or intimidating questioning when you could just save time and money using rock auto reliably low prices for every customer they're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so we're talking about Jaden Rashada, and he's a big-time recruit at the quarterback position who, once again, leaving the state of California. But as I said, there's a lot of talent in the state of California, and a few more so in the class of 2023 than DJ's younger brother, Mateo Uyunglele, five-star edge prospect, who it looks like is not going to join his brother at Clemson. They don't appear to be one of the, the final schools in the running there, but two Pac-12 schools are, Oregon and USC, both after him. Where does each school respectively stand with Mateo? Similarly, Spencer, you know, both programs obviously under new management. Uh, you know, his father, Dave, told me, under the previous administrations, you know, it was looking like they were headed east uh, for college, Ohio State, Clemson, certainly Alabama. One of those schools looked like uh, they could be, you know, the school for, for Mateo. But since Dan Lanning uh, went to Oregon and, and since Lincoln Riley arrived at USC, that tune has changed. And now, like you said, the Pac-12 appears to be the most likely destination for Uyangalale. And I think that's huge news for the conference because it wasn't just quarterbacks leaving California. It was kind of everyone, right? Because, you know, they hadn't been in the playoff in, in so long, and there had been so many question marks around the development of some of these programs that a lot of skill position and defensive talent started to bolt for the SEC and the Big Ten, uh, among other conferences. So I do think that's huge news for the Pac-12 in general. And, and again, right now, if you had to 
guess you would say that he's more likely to end up in the Pac-12 than otherwise. You know, Ohio State, Alabama, they're still out there. Uh, Ohio State in particular hosted him. They've got, you know, a, a Polynesian connection that's building out in Ohio State that most people probably don't realize given uh, their location in Columbus, Ohio. But obviously, USC and Oregon has that, you know, in droves uh, from previous administrations and current administrations alike. Uh, and I think USC in particular has done a really good job uh, kind of commanding this recruitment at this time. The question is, though, when is he going to decide? And I think that's really where it could come down to, uh, you know, Ohio State making an upset bid here. If it goes longer, you feel better, uh, certainly, about the Buckeyes' chances. But if he reverses his course and, and wants to come off the board a little bit sooner, I think he's staying in the Pac-12. Oregon's done a really good job. They just hosted him on a huge official visit weekend up in Eugene. We know Tosh Lupoy, Dan Lanning in particular, are extremely high on Uyangalale. They're selling it the right way. And then USC is the local option, right? Obviously, a ton of local ties. We know what the expectation is going to be pretty much now for USC. That is something that is attractive to recruits, not just on offense, but all over the field, uh, potentially for the Trojans. And I think that's part of the reason why Uyangalale to USC probably has the most traction of all his options at this point, though, again, the timeline's wide open and it could, it could create more fluctuation before all is said and done. But in terms of keeping a guy in the PAC 12, uh, this is one that the PAC 12 has to win. We don't talk about conferences having to win a recruitment. This is one of them nationally. The PAC 12 has got to keep Mateo Uyangalale in its footprint. And I do think at this stage, that's the most likely scenario. You're relying on your two biggest brands to do it. And certainly from a conference perspective, you'd hate to see a, a guy that talented. And, you know, his brother hasn't quite lived up to the hype of the quarterback position yet, but we'll see if he's able to make the leap here in year two. But he's uh, certainly the sort of sort of guy who would show up on campus and start playing on, on day one and probably be a high-impact player as well. Let's talk about USC, and they're kind of going big game hunting in in the recruiting space and that's what trojan fans expect and i think that's <clears throat> excuse me what they should expect and a couple names that that they've been tied to in the class of 2023 malik bryant nicole's harbor and then uh one of whom is uh, on the offensive side of the ball of the three we're talking about but uh that's zachariah branch we'll get to him but let's start with the two defensive guys Malik Bryant, linebacker, a position where USC added Alabama transfer Shane Lee. But going forward, you know, it's it's a place where they're going to need to recruit more so than they have in the past. So uh, do the Trojans have a, a decent chance here with Bryant? I think a decent chance. You know, his commitment's coming uh, July 23rd. And I think that that creates a little bit more angst. But look, you got him on campus and you've got a puncher's chance at this point. You know, his recruitment has shifted, I think. Six months ago, this was a very confident Florida Gator recruit from Orlando, which has a little bit of a, a Gator vibe to it in the state of Florida. And then it shifted towards Alabama. He took a trip to Tuscaloosa. Nick Saban latched onto him. He's a great pass rusher who could also play off-ball linebacker, something that Alabama's done uh, as well as anyone uh, in the country over the last few years. The, the, the vibe shifted there. Since, it's shifted down to Miami a little bit. There's growing confidence in Coral Gable. So it's kind of this regional, local battle, SEC, ACC, and then there's USC, the total outlier. Malik is uh, more of a, a reserved kid. He's going to do his own thing. So when, when you look at a kid who's going to go against the grain, obviously he needs to be talented enough to be a national 
recruit, but he also needs to kind of have that mentality like I, I'm going to bet on myself. So I do think that he has the foundation of what you need to pull a kid away from the SEC and away from from you know a top ACC contender like Miami uh, for USC. Uh, I don't know how if, if the the timeline helps or hurts the Trojans, but but that buzz has shifted considerably more than once or twice. So I do think there's potential with almost a month until he pops for it to shift one more time. And USC certainly held his attention uh, when, when he was able to get out to LA. Nichols Harbor is uh, one of the top uncommitted prospects in the class of 2023, five-star edge guy, a little bit like Mateo Uyunglele. So if you're USC, who's very much uh, in the running there, perhaps in the lead, as you were saying earlier for Mateo at, at this point in time, it's not as if, you know, uh, it's it's not like a quarterback situation where you bring in one, you think, okay, we don't need to bring in any more. I mean, you take all the defensive linemen that, that you, can gr- you can get, and Alex Grinch, I'm sure, certainly not knows that. So Harbor, I mean, he, he's kind of one of the biggest fish left in the pond right now for, for 2023. So wh- where does USC stand with him? They're right in the thick of it. And this is not only one of the most unique kids talking six, four, six, five, running a, a 10 to nine hundred meter dash, but also one of the most unique recruitments where it's like, nobody really has a great idea of where this kid is leaning, uh, mainly because of track. He wants to play football and run track. So you you wonder if the development in one sport, meaning track and field, could hurt in the other sport um, as he's an edge prospect that probably will need to, to gain some weight. But this is one of the twitchiest, fastest, freakiest. Any adjective you want to throw out there, he's one of those guys uh, who you just kind of have to double take. You know, you you head turn towards him like, wait, 10? He's running 10-2 uh with the size of like Jadavian Clowney like what do you mean like he is so Jeez. unique he is so unique as a prospect that it's created a true fever pitch of buzz it's like he's like the defensive arch manning where it's like people just want to shoot their shot with him he's he's recently narrowed the list though Oregon we understand the track vibes there USC are, are the west coast options and then back in the east coast there's like Georgia Alabama and Michigan it's totally a wide open and unconventional recruitment in, in both his athletic profile and the schools he's looking at, and not to mention the desire to run track. So it is a totally unique recruitment. I don't believe there's a concrete decision date set just yet. So I get the sense he's going to take visits well into the fall, uh, and that could keep his recruitment as as kind of um, unknown as, as any big-time recruit, maybe that we've seen in the last few years. Usually it's like, this school is the lead. Maybe this is the top contender. With Harbor, it, it has shifted and changed over multiple uh, months, and I think that's going to continue during the season if he's still uncommitted, which is what I would expect at this point. The guy who you told me earlier is uh, rated as your top slot receiver in the class of 2023. Right now is verbally committed to the Trojans. That's Zachariah Branch. He's part of uh, the two prospects in the top 10 in next year's recruiting cycle that USC has right now, of course, joining Malachi Nelson, who is, uh, I think, I'm, I'm not saying Arch Manning is uh, is not going to be very good, but from what I've seen so far, if I had to choose between the two, I would go with uh, Malachi Nelson. And Trojan fans are hoping he'll be throwing the ball to to Zachariah Branch, and he's committed to the Trojans right now. But you had some news on that front. Yeah, he took a visit to Texas A&M, kind of out of left field. Um, I mean, look, A&M's been able to pull California talent, but really since Branch committed to USC very early on in, in the Lincoln-Riley tenure, 
there really hasn't been any information re- regarding his recruitment. He's he's a Bishop Gorman kid in Vegas, so he could swing up to to Louis, uh, to Los Angeles, excuse me, pretty easily and consistently. His older brother is on the Trojan roster as as a safety, uh, one of the best safeties in the class last year. So nobody really glanced at other schools trying to talk to him. Although Florida, Texas A and M, Alabama, a lot of schools certainly understand his talent and again number one slot receiver in the country i mean true true juice at that position that likens a little bit to mario williams ironically the usc slot receiver of of today um but then all of a sudden a couple weeks ago he sets this official visit to texas a&m he took the trip this past weekend and i gotta say uh, earlier today i got a phone call there's a little bit of confidence that's building in college station with the potential to flip him i don't think it's the most likely scenario Maybe he takes other visits and he's just doing due diligence because, look, everyone expects, you know, with your brother there and with that being the school and bringing in Lincoln Riley for your skill set, everyone just kind of thought USC, nobody else in this recruitment. So maybe he wants to do due diligence to push against that and other schools will get him on campus for visits. That remains to be seen. But he took the A&M trip and they feel a little bit better about their chances for a flip. And obviously, Having signed the number one class just a year ago, I mean, that's never a school anybody should look past on offense or defense. I mean, last year they signed Evan Stewart, arguably the number one receiver in the country, um, and and that was an upset. A lot of people expected him to end up elsewhere. So it's not just great defensive players that that are being brought in to College Station. So it's certainly something to keep an eye on from the USC angle. But, you know, his brother's on the roster, Lincoln Riley. He's tight with Malachi Nelson. I mean, there's a lot of things – still pushing things the Trojans way very heavily, but obviously it's recruiting and, and these are teenagers. These things can change in a hurry. So just something to keep an eye on. Well, Washington football has had a busy, busy worker bee month of June, and we're just going to scratch the surface on that. And we'll probably have to revisit for uh, for a full rundown next week. But first, I have to tell you that Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs, which have since passed. Congrats to the Colorado Avalanche there. And Major League Baseball. Go Mariners. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's the fastest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline is where the game starts. So as we're recording this, John, literally minutes before we hopped on, Washington got a, a quarterback commit in the class uh, of 2023. And again, I don't want to shortchange, you know, going in depth on the recruiting success they've had. So let's just kind of talk big picture here. Right now, the Huskies are in the top 20 nationally in a high school composite rating. And I was talking about this very recently here on the show, uh, you know, w- with regards to the potential that Kalen DeBoer has as the head coach. And when I was talking about the recruiting potential, I'm looking at the past classes under Chris Peterson when they were, you know, kind of at their peak, got to the college football playoff, still the last Pac-12 team to accomplish that mark. They were in the top 20 nationally. I mean, that that's where they, they can get to, and that's where they're sitting right now. They had four commits coming into the month of June. Now here we are at, at the end of it, and they're going to go into July, which is going to continue to be a busy recruiting season with 14. I mean, that's a really good sign if you're a Husky fan, isn't it? Absolutely, and this is really where we, we've been waiting for this, right? I mean, this is something that, like you said, people have been asking questions like, DeBoer is an offensive guy. 
known for quarterbacking, and he, he hadn't landed a quarterback in this class un, until today, where, where they got Lincoln Keyholz out of South Dakota. That might not sound flashy or sexy, but this was a kid who was rising nationally as a quarterback recruit. Wisconsin uh, and North Dakota State were all in on this kid, and you understand, hey, big-time Big Ten football, and obviously the Bison you know, speaks for itself in terms of even what they've done at the quarterback position over the last decade or so. So to win that battle with Keyholtz uh, against those programs, which have more st- a ton more stability and a lot more kind of tangible, this is what we want success, I think that says a ton about the future of this program. And then beyond Keyholtz, how about going into California? You know, eight prospects out of these 14 Huskies that are committed are from the state of California, an obvious pipeline and a need and an expectation given the, the history of DeBoer, especially coming from Fresno State uh, just last year. So two of the boxes we've been waiting for Washington to check have been checked. You throw in another class headliner like Anthony James, a former Texas A&M commitment who had buzz for other programs, just like Keyholtz did at quarterback, but he ends up uh, popping for uh, the Huskies. Uh, Auburn was really high. Uh, on Anthony James. So again, you're you're winning a battle that you weren't really expected to in very short order after he decommitted from AM. So some really marquee wins. Uh, and I think DeBoer deserves a lot of credit that that reassembled staff as well. And even some of the recruiting staffers, Courtney Morgan, I know uh, is, is one of the, the rising stars in the industry. He deserves some love here as well as Washington has totally turned around the perception of, of this class of 2023 at key spots, flipping SEC recruits, winning a quarterback battle and and playing very, very consistently in the state of California. Three things you have to do uh, to get back to where we know Washington can be. Yeah, their recruiting had fallen off and the on-field results, of course, fell off pretty hard in 2021 with the 4-8 season. But the early returns, and I was really talking about recruiting just not that long ago, asking the question, like, is he going to be able to recruit the way Washington's capable? And they are shooting up those rankings. If that continues to be the case, then he he will certainly have Washington fans feeling good, as he should. And we always feel good when we get the chance uh, to chat with John Garcia Jr., the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated. We will see you next week and every week from there on after. Sounds good, my friend. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate everyone listening. See you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.